We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Do not adjust your listening devices. It is the voice of myself, Jason Perrone. I am back with my Saturday trio of Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express and Packers Unrestricted. Paul, I don't know why I struggle with that every single time. I listen to it all the time. I look at it all the time. I, I appreciate never, that. I can never. I know it's just. I, I I don't. I guess it's just a product of aging. But I have no excuse because Mark doesn't have that problem. So anyway, good to be back, gentlemen. Excellent job. While I was away with the draft coverage, the Saturday crew did a fantastic job. Want to thank Dan Kotnick for filling in. I'm not typically as involved and delved into the draft process, but you guys did a fantastic job, and the draft is well behind us. But we're going to actually revisit it a little bit because, Paul, you wrote a nice piece over at Dairyland Express with your superlatives post the 2021 NFL draft. So we're going to kind of focus on that today and talk about some of our uh, superlatives. But since you are the hardworking author of the piece, uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce it. But before we delve, in, delve into that, obviously, we have to start with the uh, very important part of our show, which is the weather update. So Mark Eckel, first of all. How are you doing? And secondly, how are we looking at the beach? I'm doing great. And part of, of 
being great is that the weather's been great here at the beach. Um, <laughs> it's been 75 and sunny almost every day. Um, it's just been great. I, I can't, I, you know, it's, this, is, this is what it's all about here. May, May's a great month down here in Myrtle Beach. It really is. Beautiful stuff. The beach gets its Mark Eckle back, right? <laughs> the other way around. Mark gets the beach back. The beach gets its Mark back. I mean, All I'm right. it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here talking. I'm looking out at the ocean as we speak. But, I mean, it's, it's always here. It's just some days are better than others to be on it. Sure. Of course. And the water's warming up, too. There you go. There you go. You don't catch you don't catch me in the uh, in the beach water anymore. Those days are, are long gone. Too many too many fish coming ashore lately and <laughs> stuff and nah. So I'll live I'll live vicariously through you, Mark. But I'm glad to hear that uh, spring has sprung and that all is well over there. And very importantly, because Lambeau Field is just a few miles away. Paul Brettel of the Dairyland State of Wisconsin. How are things outside? I think we turned the corner on Wednesday. There was like a three a positive corner, Mark. There was like a three to four week stretch where it was like fine, fifties kind, you know, some sun, clouds, rain, like it was fine. But now we're into the sixties. I think some seventies are on the horizon. It's looking good. I I think we've turned the corner for for good this time. It looks like some rain in the forecast over the next week too. So that'll help the grass grow, and then you can you know get the lawnmower going. Oh, it's already been going. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right, very good. Well, as I said, we're going to talk some superlatives, and Paul did a fantastic job post-2021 NFL draft superlatives over at Dairyland Express. Just went up on Friday. So, Paul, I will actually let you go ahead and introduce this piece and then uh, go ahead and pick the first category you want us to review. Thank you, Jason. So, yeah, so I do. I end up doing probably a couple of these throughout the year, just whether it's the draft. And I actually did one pre-draft, now i got post-draft. I usually do a training camp one. I don't know why, but these are fun to me. I enjoy putting them together. So superlatives, just picking out a word, a phrase to describe this draft class, and then each of us are going to fill in our player who we feel best fits that word or phrase. So we'll start off with best pick. So best pick, that can have a variety of meanings to each individual. So for me, I chose Amari Rogers, and there was really two qualifying points for that one, getting him at 85 I thought was a very good value pick for the Green Bay Packers. And two, he's just he's just tailor-made for this Matt LaFleur offense. As good as this offense has, or was last season, they didn't have that true slot receiver, that true gadget player. That was supposed to be Tyler Irvin's role. He was you know on and off injured for most of the year. Tavon Austin, his presence just wasn't really felt. Credit to Lafleur. Credit to the rest of, rest of the receiving core. They function just fine without it. Aaron Jones as well was in there. You know the de- design touches, jet sweeps, lining up in the slot. The Green Bay Packers did just fine without that player. But that player, that Amari Rogers role, is something that was missing and something that can take an already potent offense. To put it simply, can take it up a few notches. Which, considering they're the top scoring offense in football last year. It's scary to think about. So I just absolutely love this fit. Like I said, he's tailor-made for it. And the value getting him at pick 85, because Goody even said they were wrestling at pick 62, whether it take him or Josh Myers. So good value, great fit. All right, Mark, we'll go to you next. Who is your, who is your favorite pick? Best? Or best pick, well, yeah, what, best, the pick. Best, pick or fi- best pick. Best pick. Best pick. Best pick. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to take the I mean that was I, I I agree with a lot of the things that Paul just said, but the best pick is there was their first pick, Eric Stokes. He's going to I I I think this kid's a really good player. I think he was so underrated by the the people that talk about the draft, not the guys that actually make the picks because the scouts that I talked to loved them, especially one of them had him right there. He had, you know, he had Sertan and um and Horn obviously one and one A. And then he had he didn't he had Farley off the board because he was worried about the back. So then he had he had Newsom and Stokes two A and two B or I guess three A and three B however however you you want to look at it. Um I think this kid's gonna I he'll be starting by I mean every, every, I, I I read these things where well we don't know how he's how he's gonna do he'll his first year he might be on special he's gonna be starting by week three or four, okay? He's better than Kevin King. He's a better he's a better football player than than, than Kevin King is. He will be starting He's going to be just like Alexander. Alexander wasn't supposed to start at first either. And by week, whatever it was, he was starting. Well, this kid's going to be starting, and he's going to give the Packers a set of corners that, like, that they haven't had in a long, long time with with him and Alexander at, at, at corner for the next, hopefully, whatever many years. If Alexander re, re-signs a long-term deal. Um, no, I'm, I was thrilled with that pick. I think it's – I just, you know, he's, he, he's, he has decent size. He the fastest player in the draft or fastest corner in the draft. Um, he'll, you know, I just think he's, he's, it's, he's, he's the best pick. And it filled the biggest need on the team. Mm-hmm. Which, for once, the Packers took a, the position. Again, I don't, we, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Paul. Um, you know, they, this is the first time in a long time the Packers did exactly what I wanted them to do. Like they, <laughs> got, I wanted a corner. It didn't have to be first round, but within the first two, and they got me one. You know, I wanted an offensive lineman. They got me one of those, and then I wanted a, a wide receiver. And they got like they, I this draft, I I couldn't be happier. Now, hopefully, I'm not jinxing it, but um, I couldn't be happier with this whole this whole entire draft. I think it's I think they did they they did what they needed to do. Now, are these are these players going to now the players have to pick it up and become good players, obviously, and coaches have to coach them up and all that. But now, I, I like the whole draft, but I really like Stokes. Slightly, uh, sorry, Jason, slightly off topic, but Friday rookie minicamp started. Eric Stokes was the first player afterwards to be interviewed, and I was listening to it, and I just wanted to say his excitement, his enthusiasm to just be here and be on the football field, it was like leaping off the Zoom camera, like as as much as that can be possible. It was, it was infectious. He was just pumped to be here, and it was really, really cool to see and watch. Yeah, I think people are going to love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like his demeanor a lot. So my answer to the question is is that uh, I'm gonna kind of hybrid both of you because I have to. I, I mean, I have to want Stokes to end up being the best pick because he's the first round pick. So highest investment. Packers need a corner. To Mark's point, I agree with that. Was excited that they addressed the need. The board fell the way that it did. Stokes was interesting because I heard heard his name a little bit, but didn't he didn't get you know he wasn't one of those names that was shoved at us all the time. And again, that's a lot of you know mock drafts and people that aren't in the building and that that aren't necessarily the team. And we have that happen every year. There's you know six or seven major names that are mocked to the Packers, and then uh, obviously the Packers only take one guy in the first round, or unless they trade back in, and then everyone's disappointed that they didn't take any of the other five guys. So Stokes wasn't really a name that was thrown. Around much at least to me maybe it was for you guys so I have to hope that he ends up being the best pick but I'm going with Paul and Amari Rogers just because I think he's he's a player that's going to step in and do more right away I mean I think I think Amari Rogers is a week one starter 
I mean, even though you've got enough depth on the depth chart of wide receiver right now, there's 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 guys that can play. I think his returnability. I mean, I'm just repeating a lot of what Paul said. His returnability and his the gadgetness that you add here, and you know, I don't know if if. Uh, he fills a little bit of that Tyler Irvin role where he can get in the backfield, do some jet sweeps, and just use that speed and get in space and just become a disaster. It looks like once he's got the ball in his hands, he's a nightmare in the open field, which was kind of what Randall Cobb was when he was early in his career, and that's what this offense thrived on a lot, and that was in a different system. That was the Mike McCarthy system, but I think these types of, of players every offense needs. And so it was, just, and and Rogers, it was cool. Like the, I think it was uh, at the Senior Bowl when he talked to Brandon Marshall, right? When he said that he 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 thought his best landing spot was going to be to Green Bay, and I think he even said in the third round, which was kind of bizarre. Is that exactly ended up being exactly what happened? But to Mark's point, that he makes a lot too, and I think the, that it does hold a lot of weight. The competition level that we talk about defenders, and so you know Stokes has played against some really good receivers. Uh, Amari Rogers, I mean, Amari Rogers has gone up against some really good defensive backs coming out of Clemson, and and so I think there's there's something to be said there because the speed of the NFL game is obviously a lot quicker, and that's one of the things that these rookies, um, you know, find out as they're transitioning into the NFL. But Paul, great point because that has uh, always been kind of a, a big thing for me is what's the demeanor? What is their What's their football IQ? What kind of love for the game do they have? And you can just tell that um, you know Stokes is excited to be in in Green Bay, and um, you obviously want that out of your first rounder because that you you want somebody to come in and compete. And I think we we I, I believe we can all agree. At least Mark, I know for sure you're in this camp that the sooner Eric Stokes can take over for Kevin King, the better. And that's obviously the plan. He was drafted in the first round. So two votes for Amari Rodgers, one vote for Eric Stokes. I'm pretty good with that, I'd have to say, right? So, Paul, where do we want to go next with this? So that was best pick. What do you want to do next? Let's bounce to head scratcher. So which draft pick left you scratching your head? So for me, and I'll preface this by saying I didn't have any issues with it. Like Mark said, initially he's a big fan of the draft, as was I as a whole. But initially, I was left scratching my head with the Josh Meyer selection in round two. Reason being, one, I more so had tackle on my radar as far as addressing the offensive line. I mean, if we look at that unit without David Bakhtiari, it's Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, and then it was Yosh Nijman. This is, of course, prior to the draft. So dangerously thin. Even with Bakhtiari available, that's still a thin group. And if if Green Bay could have found a day-one starter, it would have... You know, allowed them more flexibility inside. Elton Jenkins could have went back to guard. Who knows, maybe Billy Turner, depending how it played out. So that's why I had tackle on my radar. The Green Bay Packers went with an interior offensive lineman, a center, and Josh Myers. And then that was the other head-scratching part, too. Creed Humphrey was still on the board. Humphrey is was regarded by, I think, pretty much every draft analyst out there as the top center in this class. He posted a crazy athletic testing at his pro day, scoring a 10 out of 10 on the relative athletic score, which is, as you can imagine, extremely rare. So for those two reasons, uh, and I'll also say this, it's not that interior offensive lineman wasn't on my radar. I Prior to the draft, I ranked positional needs that they had to address, and I had the interior offensive line in the top five. So it's not necessarily that they went with that position, but I did have tackle ahead of it. And like I said, with Humphrey still being on the board, 
that's why I was left scratching my head with this one. But as we've learned afterwards and as I you know, looked up at Pro Football Focus, uh, I think it was like 75, 80% of Josh Meyer's snaps have come, or run blocking snaps, have come in zone. Whereas Humphrey, he was about the opposite end. About 70-ish percent of his career snaps at Oklahoma came in that power gap blocking scheme. So as we know, the Packers run the wide zone here in Green Bay under Matt LaFleur. So obviously fit is a big part of it. But initially, I was left scratching my head with that one. Yeah, I, I mean, as I look through the list, um, and I'll go last again, it, it, this was a tough one. This was a tough one for me. Mark, was did you have an easy, obvious one? Are you going with Myers, or do you have somebody else as your head scratch? Oh, I have two. I have two. I, I don't want to just repeat everything Paul said, but I, I did the same thing. I'm, as, there, as round two is going down, I'm saying, oh, my God, Creed Humphreys is still there. Creed Humphreys still there. Creed Humphreys still there. And now the Packers on the clock, I'm like, they got to take Creed Humphrey. And they take Myers, and I'm like, what? Wait a minute. You know, everybody I talk to, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm again, I trust the guys, my scouts more than you know, the mock drafts and media stuff, but every one of them had Humphrey. They had, you know, they, they liked Myers. They had nothing bad to say about Myers, but every one of them had Humphrey ranked as the number one center. So if you're going to take a center, why not take the number one center, right? And then and then he goes to exact the, the very next pick. So it's not like they were, they found out something bad about him or he was injured or he, he had some off the field. No, he goes to the very next pick to Kansas City. So I'm like, this is – but then I also did a little homework, and I think there's two things that, that jumped out. One is, as Paul already mentioned, he fits the Packers' offense much better than, than, than Humphrey would have. Um He's also, and I'm, this is not a knock on, I don't know enough about Humphrey to say this, but all I heard about from the Packers and even the scouts too was this guy is very intelligent. He's very, very intelligent. You want a smart center. He's going to make the line calls. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying Humphrey isn't smart. I'm just saying Myers' intelligence, I think, was a main reason why they took him. And then third, just like we had said earlier about, about Stokes going against very good wide receivers in the SEC, well, Myers blocked some pretty good defensive linemen in the Big Ten versus, you know, everybody says, well, Humphrey didn't allow a sack in the Big Well, the Big, and the Big 12 doesn't get, but the Big 12 doesn't play defense. I mean, <laughs> there's not, it's not a really, it's, you see the scores that are games, right? They're 41 35. It's, it's all about offense in the Big 12. So the fact that, you know, that kind of appeased me a little bit when I, when I heard all that. So, I'm I, I, again instantaneously. Yeah, that I scratched my head over that. Then I'll, I'll just throw this one out there too. Was the fifth round pick, John Charles? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. App State. And I like. I probably like App State more than most people because I know a lot, a lot of people I know that live down here at the beach went to App State. It's about three hours away up in, in Boone, North Carolina. So, you know, we we talk at App State sometimes during the season and stuff. But I just, it kind of, it wasn't, the way the draft had been going, Georgia, Ohio State, um, help me out, Clemson, Mississippi, oh, it was man. all big yep. schools. You know what I'm saying? With Florida. It was all big schools, big power schools, and all of a sudden they take a undersized, not real fast kid from App State. I was like, hmm, this kind of makes me, you know, to use your term, scratch your head. That made me scratch my head a little bit thinking, now again, I'm not saying the kid ain't going to come out and be a good player, but it kind of went against the way the draft had been un- unfolding up, up to, to that point. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So for me, like I said, I didn't really have a head scratching pick. I guess uh, to sound like a, uh, I guess I sound like a, a parrot here a little bit because I'm just kind of repeating. But the 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 Josh Myers factor of of it, it just kind of took me back to the days where Ted Thompson drafted all these tackles and then put them at guard and moved them inside way back in the day and. So I don't, you know, if, if Myers, if they have any any ideas of Myers kicking out, which I'd assume they wouldn't, he's no. an interior <laughs> offensive lineman. Uh, I, I I guess I I like it even less. But I have to again, I have to trust what this what this front office is doing because they've done us pretty well two years, three years in a row. I mean, Goody's found some really good players. He he hit he struck gold with one cornerback. Hopefully, he strikes gold with another one. As I'm sitting here looking at some images of. Eric Stokes in his uh, Packers uniform. He's wearing that number 21, so that's a lot to live up to. There's been some really good number 21s before. You got Charles Woodson, Craig Newsom, uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, there was another guy that wore 21 that wore out his welcome and, and is no longer in the league. I actually owned his jersey. I had to get a new jersey. I switched it to, to uh, Jair Alexander. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'd go with Myers. But honestly, I don't really have any. I, I like this draft. I really did. I like this draft, and and I want to give all these players every possible chance that uh, that I can to succeed. Um, you know, I 
I looked I looked through it and and they addressed some needs like you said uh, Mark they they grabbed the corner in the first round they got Amari Rogers in round three to me and I, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not but to me once you get past the third round it's uh, it's kind of drop off at that point you're you're mostly for that season you're looking at special teams players and guys that may or may not make the roster so it's it, to to go through rounds five through seven really for me was was tougher because I knew so little about those players. Um, to Shamar Jean Charles, uh, I just I like what I've seen about him since the draft has come out. Um, a little bit smaller, but you know I think he's like you said we were talking before the show, Paul, prototypical special teams player, and that's I think his route to making this roster and getting out there in day one. So. So we've got favorite player, we've got head scratcher. What are we doing next, Paul? Are we going favorite? Are we going day three? I'm just kind of looking through the, the piece that you wrote. Where are we headed? We'll move along next to our favorite pick. So I suppose there could be some overlap between favorite and best pick, but which pick did you just love? So instead of me hogging the mic first, I'll pass it off to Mark. How about you take a sway on this one? Who is your favorite pick? Well, I already told you how much I like Stoke, so... <laughs> Uh, but I'll say my favorite was probably Rogers, though, because um, it's it's surprise. I mean, Stokes made me happy because I took a corner, a guy that I liked, so I was happy more than um, Rogers was like, wow, they 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 took this guy. All right, you know, he is again goes against their grain a little bit, right? They don't, you know, they like bigger receivers and all this, but as you guys both said. Uh, when you talk about the best pick, this kid's going to—he's going to make an impact. And the Packers haven't really drafted a guy like this since Randall Cobb, and and this guy might even be more of a. Listen, Randall Cobb was great; he had a great career with the Packers, um, but he was a, basically a pure slot guy. I mean, Rodgers, I think, is going to line up all all over the place, um, and he's going to be. Well, Cobb started off as a return guy too, but um, no, Rodgers. It, it, it's my favorite because it showed that they're they're doing some things. They're, they want to. He's going to make an early impact too, if nothing else, as a return guy. I think. Um, so I'll, I'm going to say, as much as I like Stokes, and I, I just didn't want to double down on that. So yeah, Rogers was up there as my favorite. I, I, I love both picks. I, I like, like I said, I liked almost the entire draft. How about you, Jason? So I, I guess I have to go with Rogers because. Uh, I I just liked where they got him and the value, but I'm going to go back to I mean I guess I I, I always liked it to, to me it ends up being the first rounder because they're the ones I'm so locked in on and intrigued to watch in preseason and how they're going to perform, and again I have to want Stokes to be really really good because a they need him to and b they made a huge investment on on him and there were some other players that could have taken that they didn't instead so I'll go with Stokes as as favorite and I think. For what we've seen so far, I think he's probably going to make make that a good choice, and he, he'll make a believer out of a lot of us because he's here to you know if he plays with a little bit of that chip on his shoulder, and that's exactly what you want. And and you have to also think about it this way too: the prospect of the Packers secondary, as young as they are, Savage, Jair, and Stokes are all third year, and well, Jair's going into year four, but you know three years in the league or less that. That trio could be potentially playing together for the better part of the next decade, and it's going to be hard to throw on the Packers if they all turn out to to reach their ceiling. And that's the name of the game in the NFL right now is the the passing offense. So if you've got a defense that can defend the pass, 
as long as the Packers can still rush the passer and do everything else up front, they there's there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and excited about that particular pick. But Paul, I know we can see it on the screen here, but <laughs> where did you where did you go with this one? So for me, I went with T.J. Slayton, the interior defensive lineman that Green Bay took in round five out of Florida. So you've been listening to us, uh, Mark, Dan, and I. We had the uh, interior defensive line group as part of our one of our episodes for the month uh, for draft month. And what we discussed was the importance of finding a true nose tackle. And that's what T.J. Slayton is. In this Joe Barry defense, he is someone who can line up over center in the A-gap, and that gives the Green Bay Packers flexibility because if we look at their roster right now prior to that addition, that was primarily going to be Kenny Clark's job. But now with Slayton as an option, and I'm going to also add this, that he's only a one-year starter. His skill set's raw, but there's a lot to like. He's super athletic for his size, 6'5", 340 in that ballpark. So there's a lot to like, but this isn't going to be someone, you know, week one, two, three, where we're going to see him out there dominating. It's going to take time to develop. But if he can become the player that we think he can, that's going to allow Green Bay to kick Kenny Clark outside, uh, less double teams for him, the opportunity for him to potentially make more high-impact plays, which considering it's Kenny Clark, that's, you know, for opposing offenses, that's scary to think about. But then there's just the trickle-down effect. As a run defender, primary run defender, Slayton isn't going to fill the stat sheet, as we've talked about before, but his presence is going to help his teammates. It's going to help Clark. It's going to help in the run game. The edge rushers are going to benefit. The linebackers are going to benefit. Not that he's going to be a, you know, you hope, but not that he's going to be like a a Damon Snacks Harrison in his prime, but Snacks Harrison was never someone who filled the stat sheet, but his teammates certainly felt his presence. And so if you can get that kind of player, and like I said, I'm not projecting that he's going to be, but if you can get even someone in that stratosphere where they can make some sort of impact in that regard, it's going to help everyone. So as far as what he can become, like I said, I'm not anticipating this level of impact at all right away or even this season, but if he can become what he has the potential to, I I just love that fit in this defense. Yeah, and that's the path for defensive linemen is always a little bit tougher. I know this wasn't a very good defensive line draft, but that just seems like a position, too, where it can it can sometimes take a while. Like I think about Kenny Clark right away in 2016, and he didn't have as, as many opportunities necessarily to flash. I mean, he was really good, but he wasn't that right out of the gate in that first season. So that's that's going to be one to watch. I think that's going to be interesting, and I hope, I hope that that pans out because – uh, one of the other options that we had for topics was, uh, and maybe we save this one, is just positions that we have some concerns about. And we can save that for another show. I think the defensive line is a, certainly a candidate in a lot of people's minds. But I'm looking at this, the the rest of the piece here, Paul, and there's one that I kind of think we should do next because it's very intriguing to me, but I kind of want to go last. And that's the player that you wish – the Packers had gotten. So you both kind of talked about uh, the offensive linemen that you thought the Packers might take in the second round. Uh, I know, Mark, you're a fan of the Stokes pick. So, Mark, we'll start with you. Was there, I mean, was was it the offensive lineman in round two, or was there another player at some point that you wish the Packers had, or I guess position, that you wish the Packers had gotten? No, not position. They did everything I wanted position-wise. Um, to be honest, in the second round, and I, I, like I said, I, 
off the top, when the draft was unfolding, I wanted Humphrey. But looking back, another guy that I that I really liked, I didn't. He didn't fit the Packers, you know, that RAS that Paul always tells me about. Uh, <laughs> but they went away from that a little, a little bit this year. They, they did, big time. They, they didn't take Humphrey, who had a perfect 10. Mm-hmm. I like Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Um, he was still there in, in the bottom of the he, he actually went in the uh, early third round. Um, I think Atlanta took him. Uh, he would have been, if they were thinking, see, here's, here's what I think. And I, I've said this before. Now I'm even more convinced. Elton Jenkins is going to be a tackle before his, before his career is over. Mm-hmm. That's why they. I'm I'm, pretty, I'm I'm convinced now that they look at him as, and Billy Turner still got a couple years left in him. I think I don't think Billy Turner's on the way out by any means. But, um, I I mean the fact that they took us. I mean a lot of people thought Jenkins might become eventually the center, which is what he played in college. Well, no, they drafted a center in the second round. That he's going to be there. That's who they hope is the future at center. They took a bunch of guys. They had a bunch of guys from last year that could play guard. They have even more now. I think the future for Elton Jenkins is tackle. So, but with with that said, Jalen Mayfield I thought was a perfect kind of Packer guy. I mean, he's a he could play tackle or guard. He's from Michigan, a school that the, the Packers have gone and picked from a few times uh, the last couple of years. Um, so that was one thing that I thought. They, that one player that I, that I had high on my list that I thought could, that they could take and and, he, and they didn't. And then, what, but what really I'm not, I'm not going to give you a guy, but I thought they would other they did trade up for for um, Rodgers in the third round. I thought they might. I thought for sure day three. We we even talked about it after that after when we were on uh, that, that Friday night. I didn't think they were going to use all those picks on day three. I thought for sure they were going to move up in the fourth or, you know, package of a five and a six or something. I, 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 I was, I was shocked that they stayed put all day, day three and just picked the guy that fell to them. Yeah. I, I guess as far as, as that goes, like I, this wasn't one of those, those drafts where when you're picking as late as the Packers did in the first round, that there were, a, a lot of premier talents, at least a namesake, that were left to where it was like, oh, I can't believe that they didn't pick him because at that point, 28, 20, yeah, 28 other teams have already passed on this player. It doesn't mean they're right. But there wasn't this glaring, you know, when they, for example, when they picked at 12 a couple of years ago, there was a plethora of, op- of options they could have taken. And then, you know, they, they end up taking Rashad Gary. So for me, I... I, I guess I don't know. There there wasn't anything that really stuck out to me that, um, you know, if they wanted to address the defensive line, I was a fa- I was a fan of Christian Barmore, but I also you know didn't didn't light the world on fire necessarily in terms of pre draft and and everything else that I saw on him. And obviously, again, I'm very limited in terms of how I prep for and really get into some of these prospects. So it's like if it's a weaker class and you're going to take a defensive lineman and you want them to be impactful, well, you probably should take one early because Barmore could have been a first-rounder. Outside of that, um, I was a fan of Tevin Jenkins, but... You know the the fact that some of these guys fell into the second round like they did just kind of validates to me that I think the Packers probably knew what they were doing and, and made a made a smart move in going with Stokes in round one and I can't complain with the the second or third round picks and then like I said beyond that it's just kind of uh, it, it's almost like I guess I'll say lottery tickets uh, in some way so it's hard to be too disappointed 
Um, but it, again, I mean, I'm coming up lame duck with a lot of these because I just was so pleased with how the draft turned out. But Paul, was there anybody that stuck out to you, or any anybody that you feel like the Packers left on the table? Again, not a specific player so much. I had some examples of players in the article, but I guess I go back to the tackle position, and I hit on my big reasons why already when discussing Josh Myers, just the lack of depth. And they did add depth on day three with Newman and Van Lannan. But those two, I think many out there believe that those two might actually be better interior players. Mm -hmm. So while they added options, for the most part, the same kind of questions that we had going into the draft I still have around that unit and going into what Mark said about Elton Jenkins that's the realization that I've come to as well I think that he is going to be uh, one of the ta- or the right tackle moving forward you know maybe in this year because Bakhtiari when Bakhtiari's back and Billy Turner is still on the roster you know maybe he goes back to guard but I'm starting to think that that's their long-term solution at the right tackle position because relying on Newman or Van Lannan, we hope that they can, but those guys aren't necessarily true tackles either. Uh, Newman played guard in 2019, and like I said, many analysts and scouts believe that he's best fit there. Uh, Van Lannan, he's played left tackle at Wisconsin. Very good against the run. uh, Needs work in his pass protection, so the development's needed, and those two are going to get every opportunity to stick at tackle just because of the lack of depth there. So that's a position where if they could have landed a like I said with Myers, a more immediate impact player or someone who is a true tackle and that is their more natural position, I think that more in the short term that would have helped them and given them more options. But So the couple of names that I mentioned were like Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eikenberg. But to get those guys, that would have meant not getting Eric Stokes. So as, as always, there's give and take with this. But those two, for example, they were still on the board. Those are guys that I saw as those are guys who can be a right tackle for the next decade. But we also have to read into what don't the Packers do. And part of it is they don't have control over the board. Maybe tackle was on their radar. It just didn't fall that way. Goody said the same thing about interior linebacker. That was something that they were looking to address earlier, but they just didn't have the opportunity. But as this is all unfolded, given the uncertainty of where Newman Van Lannan are as far as future options not to say that they can't become right tackles absolutely can but there's that unknown about it as well so I do think that Jenkins might be their alternative moving forward yeah it's it's going to be fun. it's going to be it's always fun to watch these drafts because it happens every year all the names and and the way they're ranked and the mock drafts and then we see some of these players that get drafted early and, and we're surefire and then they're out of the league within a year or two and it's always fun to look back and say like gosh I'm glad that they the Packers didn't go with what I wanted in that particular draft obviously if it's Stokes we want him to stick because he's their first pick but um, I mean, we... just, let me just add this I mean this is two straight drafts now there are we thought they needed a tackle mm-hmm. and two straight drafts where they they didn't pick a tackle they picked and they picked six offensive linemen in these mm-hmm. last two drafts. Last year, two guards and a center. This year, another center. And two guys, like you said, that they played tackle in college. But from what I, the guys I talked to, you know, Newman, they said, in a pinch, yeah, you know, he can get you, he can get you through a game at right tackle if you guys are hurt or something. But he's a guard. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a guard in the NFL. That's, again, now, people could be wrong, but 
that's what most people think he's a guard and same with the kid from Wisconsin he, you know again if you had to stick him at tackle in an emergency but again he's probably a guard so they they, they have a lot of guards now so and I, I, again I, I if I'm wrong about this then I don't know then, then, they, then they messed up because they and they, they know what they have in, in, in Elton Jenkins and and, he, and he's a great player he really I mean what a great pick mm-hmm. um I think they feel you put your better players at tackle, right? So yep. he's going to be, I mean, yeah, he's going to be there, right? Don't worry about tackle anymore. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. one And that's one thing that Lafleur talks about. It's one too, probably, you know? I mean, they, they mm-hmm. do what they had. Lafleur even mentioned it on Friday in his press conference after practice. He mentioned it last year, last summer multiple times, as that competition on the right side of the offensive line was unfolding. They are going to put out their best five, yep. and when you have and that in, in in most instances, you know, if we look ahead to possibly even next year, where Billy Turner isn't a part of the team potentially, uh, your best tackle is going to be Elton Jenkins. So he's harped on that over and over again. That I think posi- saying positionless in this manner is too strong of a term, but they have so much flexibility and versatility along the offensive line that they can kind of move guys around, and including Jenkins, as we've seen. It's going to be interesting to see. Now, they have a bunch of guards now. I mean, yeah, they do. <laughs> for now, Jenkins is still a guard. And once Bakhtiari comes back, I mean, he's still a guard. Because Turner, Turner had a pretty good year at right tackle last year. And he I did. That to be you know, pretty good again this year at right tackle. So you have Jenkins, you have Patrick, and you have Runyon and Stepaniak from last year's draft, and then you got the two guys from this year's draft. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. They're all, I mean, somebody's not making the team. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that's going to be a fun competition. Well, not for, for fun to watch, not for, for fun for the guys who aren't going to make it. But the, you know, there there's been there's, there's they can't keep all those guys. Well, you have to believe that they, because they added some of those guys this year, that maybe there's some from last year that they're still on the fence about. I mean, I, I I thought I mean I thought Runyon stepped in and played well, but very limited duties. Stepaniak didn't even never saw the field. Well, they knew that. So, so yeah, and that's so that's that's. Well, Hanson's definitely gone. Yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah, Han- yeah. Hanson, Hanson, unfortunately, and I was excited about him last year. There's a perfect example of a player that I was excited about, and then a year later, the story is it unfolds. You know, the Cole Madison situation was unfortunate, the injury, and then he had you know he missed the season, his rookie season. So, but. To have the top offense in the league, and without getting into that topic that we try to avoid this week of who's going to throw the football this year, I assume uh, I would like to think that it's still going to be Aaron Rodgers. We'll see. But to be able to keep the cupboard stocked at offensive line is so important. And you Mm -hmm. see teams neglect this over and over again. Look how it caught up with the Seattle Seahawks eventually. And the Chicago Bears have had offensive line issues for a while, too. It's just... It's one of those positions where you just you've got to take the swings and you've got to make sure that you're protected up front. And even if it's not Rodgers, I mean anybody that's playing quarterback, they've they've definitely got a group of guys that can come in and compete. And I like I like where Lafleur's heads at. Put the best players out there, and you're fortunate to have the ultimate Swiss Army knife, Swiss Army knife on your offensive line in Elton Jenkins, who. If Bakhtiari isn't ready to start the season, and did you have you guys? I mean, it seems to me like what I'm hearing is is that there may be an outside chance that this guy like is going to play in Week One. He it just sounds like his recovery is coming along well. I'm not a doctor, but 
it's it sounds like David Bakhtiari wants to be like wants to be out there and wants to play with all the advances that have been made question. and all that. He's, he's right on that nine month mark. Is yeah. kind of when week one will be. I mean, he's not going to miss a lot. It's, no. no, and if he plays in week one, that is a massive, massive win for the Packers to have your all-pro left tackle. Because he's not going to play unless he's ready to go. And if he's cleared and he's ready to go, the Packers are very fortunate because he got hurt late this last season. But I think I think they did a good job of keeping their, their offensive line ribs. And I think, you know, everyone talks about the camp battles at corner and, and wide receiver. I think the offensive line battles in training camp are going to be fun to, to uh, follow. Yeah. There's depth there. And like, like just, to, just to piggyback off what you said, Paul, in today's NFL, to me, right, quarter, there's no doubt, quarterback is the most important position. You don't, I don't care how good the rest of your team is. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're going to be just okay. If, you have, if your quarterback's okay, you're going to be okay. If your mm-hmm. quarterback's bad, you're going to be bad. So that's number one. But then with that said, to me, the next – Two most important things is a protecting that quarterback. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They had Patrick Mahomes, a great mm-hmm. quarterback, right? They couldn't protect them, and they got blown out. And then second, and then the next best or next most important thing is getting to that quarterback. You got to have pass rushers in this NFL. You got to have guys that can get to a quarterback. And that's that's how you. I mean, that's that's how Tampa Bay won last year. I mean, I hate to say, it, but they. They had a great quarterback. He's 100 years old, but they had a great quarterback. <laughs> they protected him for the most part, and they got after your quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, their corners were they're, – they're sec- I mean, they had good linebackers, too, but their linebackers were part of their, you know, defense, too, getting to the quarterback. Their secondary average, I think, you know, receivers were okay. Running game was okay, but – they were, they were good. On, they were good at both lines, and they had and they had a, and they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Green Bay, I mean, who I still think was the best team in the league last year. The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Most, matter of fact, most times the, the best team doesn't win this. It's a, you know breaks and injuries and everything else. But you know, they great quarterback, great offensive line, and they got some pressure. When the games that they played well, and they got. You know, the Smiths and Gary and Clark got to the quarterback. And I was just going to add one other thing on this topic with the offensive line. The Green Bay Packers could be positioned just beautifully moving forward. Obviously, there's some foreshadowing and guesswork here, but Patrick's in the final year of his deal. We don't know if Turner will be back in 2022, but the Packers' offensive line could be Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Myers, and then at guard you have, and this is 2022 is what I'm talking about, Either Stepaniak, maybe Newman, Van Lannan battling for that guard, right guard spot, left guard spot, and then Elton Jenkins is your other tackle. So other than Bakhtiari, Jenkins will be in year four, and everyone else will be in either years two or three. I mean, they could very well be just set beautifully along, as you just said, Mark, an incredibly important part of football, blocking and protecting the quarterback. Yeah, and you've got Bakhtiari on a long-term deal. It presumably is going to play a few years, so you don't have to you know, stress yourself and reach for a left tackle because if you want a really, really good left tackle, the Packers don't typically pick in that zone in the draft, so it gives them that flexibility, and they can also maybe try to find that guy on day two, day three. I mean, David Bakhtiari, was a, he was a fourth-rounder, right, if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that was talking about great picks. Man, that was <laughs> right. very, very underrated. Very underrated. So, at the time. But, you know, he's turned out to be great well, now. Yeah. With him, I mean, he played on a, just a terrible Colorado Colorado, team. yeah. They mm-hmm. were awful that year. And 
um, you know, you've heard the stories. They, you know, somebody, they, the scouts, I think it was um, Goody that went to see him. It was, and, yeah. And came back saying, hey, that, you know, the team stinks, but this, this kid's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad find by the GM at all. So, well, let's round it out. Let's go with day, day three contributor, Paul, to kind of round out the uh, – the, the the section or the the topic. So we'll let you start out. Who was your day three contributor? So for this, my thought was um, some which day three player is going to have potentially the biggest impact early on. And when it comes to day three picks, expectation shouldn't be that they're going to make huge contributions on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. As I said, I'm a huge fan of T.J. Slayton but I don't necessarily expect them to make a big impact right away. So I was looking at special teams, and so I went with Gene Charles uh, from Appalachian State. Uh, Jordan Reed of the Draft Network, he called him a special teams ace. He had seven special teams tackles this past season, which was the fourth highest total in the country. So I just think that while he doesn't have the uh, the measurables that the Packers typically covet, and, and I, w- I meant to mention this, Mark, when you called him a head-scratcher, he really is against the grain he's undersized and not as athletic as the Packers typically covet and when you get to day three picks that's what you're looking for those rare athletes because they all need developmental work so he was absolutely against the grain in that regard but he has that I think he has that mentality and Mark you talked about this on our last episode that special teams is kind of a mindset and he's been productive he has around 330 snaps on special teams in his career at Appalachian State. So I think that he's someone can, who can come in and make a big impact on what hopefully, fingers crossed, and I emphasize hopefully, is a unit that uh, turns the corner a little bit this season. Please, for the love of God, absolutely. <laughs> Mark, who's your day three guy? Well, I'm going to take Paul's other guy. I mean, I, I don't expect, like you said earlier, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Slate and TJ. I guess we're calling him TJ Slayton now, right? Yep. He wants to be called TJ. So I'm going to go with him because, like you said earlier, he he's not going to fill up the stat sheet. So don't look for big numbers from him. But I think I think he's he's smart enough, and he is raw. Like you said, only only started one one year down in Florida. But I think he'll give them enough. You know, even if even if it's 20 snaps a game, they give to either keep Kenny Clark fresh or to move Kenny Clark. Maybe over, you know, to an end position, um, and what he does, and I don't think you have to learn how to how to do do this. Is he stops the run? Well, that's been a Packer Achilles the last couple of years. So I, I I'm going to go with Slayton giving them enough of an impact on rundowns and maybe goal line and stuff like short yard situations. Um, I hope you're right about the special teams, kid. But I'm going to go with Slayton as the guy that has the most impact of this of the third days. When you're when when you're six five three forty, even if your skill set's a little raw, you can certainly still take up space. Yeah, <laughs> there you and go. He's athletic for a six five, he absolutely is. Guy, he can move a little bit. He's not you know he's not just a big old guy that gets in the way. He can. I think I I, I like that pick too. I mean that was I like this draft. I, I like the running back in the seventh round. He could be. Yeah, we haven't that, that could be a steal. Kylan Hill. Yeah, his size doesn't blow me away, but Aaron Jones isn't a real big guy either. No. He's got good He's speed. Jones, isn't he? He's got kind of just Aaron Jones vibes, uh, yep. effective as a pass catcher. And I know Jones wasn't utilized, I don't believe, a ton at UTEP in that regard. No, he was. Uh, this kid yeah, was, yeah. Hill was, runner, uh, solid pass in pass protection as well, yes. as you know is important in this offense. Just a very well-rounded back. I think he's more – I think he. I think he's kind of a combination of Jamal Williams – 
my dog's barking because we're setting fireworks on the beach for some reason. I think it's the 4th of July. They're celebrating Mark's back on the beach. Yeah, I've been on the beach for a month. Why are they setting fireworks <laughs> off on Mayfair? Belated celebration. Yeah, these people are idiots. <laughs> these tourists. And you know, these damn Yankees come come down here and set off these fireworks. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Mark has become a true Southerner now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I don't. I don't have. I mean, day three. I would. I would say. Um, yeah, I would. I would agree with uh, Charles. I mean, I, I just like I said. After you get past the fourth round, to me, it's not. Uh, it, I. I don't know anything about these players. I mean, for me to sit here and try and opine about it, but I have heard the most about him, and I think his path to getting get, making an impact and getting on the roster is probably the easiest out of anybody else just based on what the Packers need. And, yes, special teams absolutely need a boost. Uh, I hope Amari Rodgers is that return guy. Listen, he doesn't have to light the world on fire, but just don't be don't be Tavon Austin. Don't have to put Tavon Austin back there. And, obviously, Tavon Austin is not with the team anymore. But to have to put a guy like that back there. I mean, Tyler Irvin did okay, but he was, he was dinged up and hurt a lot. The Packers need a boost, and they need to pick up some of those sneaky yards and special teams as one area that can really elevate this team. And who knows? Maybe that ends up being something that can help them get over the hump. I'd like to think they have a chance to go deep in the playoffs again and come the late season. Kick return, punt return, some of those things become very important and very sneaky. Packers did not take a kicker or a punter, guys. So Mason Crosby, I would assume, is back, and J.K. Scott still the punter. I don't know if we want to probably stuff that one in the bag for another show. Before we talk about the kickers too much, but before we wrap up, it's good to be back. Great to be back in the saddle with you guys. So let's go around the horn. Mark over at Packer Report, what's coming up this week? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I have a story up uh, that went up Thursday on just analyzing the schedule from a not just a win win lose win lose win like that because that everybody does that. I just picked out some different games and some quirks in the schedule, um, which was kind of interesting i thought and kind of fun to write i hope it's i hope the people that read it like it um next week i really i don't i don't know we'll see what happens out of this rookie camp if anybody listening has ideas uh I'm mark echo zero eight you can you can tweet me some ideas if you have them because right now I, I don't know i have no idea what i'm writing next week yet all right and paul brittle whose keyboard has always got smoke coming off of it he's doing so much writing what's going on over at dairyland express and cheesehead tv well, we obviously had this article up at Dairy Light Express on Friday, and there's a few categories that we didn't get to, otherwise this show would have went really long. Uh, so if you want to ch- see what those are, check that out. But she said TV, I wrote about the versatility of this offensive line, which we also kind of talked about today. And then Saturday, Sunday, I don't know, might look into positional battles. It's still up in the air. It's a nice thing about the off season is you got plenty of options and directions that things can go. So... Well, something that happened with the, on the topic that we refused, to, that I said I didn't want to talk about. <laughs> you never know what could happen there next week, too. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Well, now that I'm back, uh, news, the news dump has to start happening on Thursdays and Fridays for us. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's, next Friday, next Friday there will be an extension. for Aaron Rodgers signs uh, his extension. There you go. Oh, you're assuming hey, that's, you know that's going to happen. Yeah, well, we've already. Um, you know, Amari Rodgers is wearing number eight. Right, you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually, I don't have a lot. I'm, I'm not a jersey guy. I don't wear like players jersey. I, I had a Donald Driver jersey. Somebody that somebody gave me. Um, 
So I'm, I'm, I don't wear gear. I just don't. I don't. I, I, I wear Packers gear. I have all kinds of Packers stuff, but not um, actual player jerseys. Um, but I do have an Aaron Rodgers. It's a Rodgers number eight jersey from from Cal. <laughs> so okay. now I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to wear this this during the season. I think I'm going to wear my Rodgers eight jersey, and people will think it's. Amari Rogers' jersey from somewhere, right? Sure. <laughs> blue. Yeah. Because even when I wear when I wear the Rogers, they're like, what, 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 the Packers, have, is, is that a drobe, a blue drobe? Rogers is an 80s 12. I'm like, is this Kyle jersey a cow? <laughs> oh. Because it doesn't say cow on it anywhere. Right. It's just blue and gold with it with Rogers on the back and an eight. So right, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to fool people again with that wearing that. It's a new, it's, it's a, it's a new look, and if the Packers start winning, Mark, you're gonna have to wear it every week. You can't jinx it. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Well, I'm, don't don't get me started on. That. I'm 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 not superstitious, but I'm but I'm stitious. A little stitious. A little stitious. <laughs> a little yeah. old to the office, whether you meant to or not. You know, Paul. I, I don't know, Mark. Are you are you an office fan? Oh, I love you. Oh, okay. Well, before we spend too much time talking about TV, because you know that'll get us in trouble, um, it's good to be back with you guys. We'll be back again next week as our usual Saturday crew is. Not sure what the topic is going to be, but in the meantime, everybody enjoy the rest of the weekend and next week to come. Spring is on its way. Everybody be safe and go Pack Go. class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.